Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Motown Rundown. What day is it? It's Wednesday, April 27th, as we're recording. You are probably listening to this, hopefully, on Thursday, April 28th. Um, This is our 2022 NFL Draft preview for your Detroit Football Lions. Um, Also in this episode, we will talk about Miguel Cabrera's 3,000th hit um, and some Tigers baseball. But first, before we get into all that, let's check in with the fellas, Ryan Collins, Trent Bailey. How we doing? Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. By the way, Collins and I ran into each other at Comerica Park. I feel like we should like talk about this now. So that well, was a three thousand hit. I thought we were going to talk about it then. Well, yeah, but I just don't want to distract people. I mean, like, if yeah. if we re- we should definitely address it first. That way, when well, we I was taking out- a piss and I saw Trent and his family. No, you saw my That's dad. Nice. I think my my dad. My dad comes out. He's freaking out. He's like, "Hey, I think Collins is in there." And I'm like, what? I saw your brother too. I saw <laughs> your brother and dad were taking a piss. And so was I. I was like, "What's up, guys?" <laughs> and then you yeah, walked in. It was great. Then we got pictures. I think Brock was the one that ran up to you and was like, "Hey, wait outside. Like we're coming out to talk to you." And yeah, it was nice. <laughs> you Good waited. To see the family. By the way, Rabs, this was the time where like they were putting Matthew Stafford on the big screen, and the crowd just like started roaring out of nowhere. And I was like, what the hell could possibly be going on? And then we get out there and I'm like talking to Collins and everything. And I realized Matthew Stafford's in the building. So there was a lot going on, but, uh, it almost could have been bigger than the actual hit for Miggy, Matthew Stafford being back. No, it wasn't because people were there to see accomplishments in the city of Detroit. Okay. All right. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you guys. I just, I've had literally an epiphany over the last month and a half, especially with this Miguel Cabrera thing, and I'm not going to do this, how much it truly bugs me that the, the like, it's very, I, I just, the whole LA Rams thing was very weird. And I think we're going to look back at it when the Lions actually win something and all like come back together and say, guys, that was really weird. I don't know that why. That sucked. We, yeah. Like, I, I, it was just like, no, we didn't do that for like JV. It didn't make, uh, and JV was better than Stafford. Well, I, people, people kind of did do it for JV. No, though. they felt good for JV, but we weren't like, it, it was just, I don't know. Yeah. The but Lions, the Lions comparing so the weird. Lions, it's just, comparing we don't need the to Lions go down this road years. again. I'm just saying, I, all the Miggy stuff and like all the flashbacks and like all the nice like memory, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I think there's a collective group when, the Lions actually win something, we're going to be like, that was very weird. I don't know why we did that. I don't disagree with that, Collins. I think that's a good take. I think that's a good take because there were a lot of people. I mean, because no, it's to be like, I, I'm happy for Stafford, but yeah, we might have took it a little overboard, whatever. Well, like, the thing is, it's like Comerica Park was very loud for Stafford. And I think that to your point, well, it should have been. It should have yeah, yeah. But, but to your point, I mean, it's like when, if we ever have a Super Bowl winning quarterback in Detroit that comes back to Detroit, it'll be a little bit of a different, like, yeah, come back to earth moment for everybody. Like, okay, we're actually giving this guy, we're giving Malik Willis standing ovation for a reason. Oh my Not God. <laughs> well, what's the, I can't I just, believe where this conversation has gone. I don't know. I, really I just, can't. I just had that in my mind. I'm also just so pissed off after watching the Tigers the last two nights that I am, Truly, and an uh, I said I was in a good. I'm in an awful mood. The Tigers have completely ruined my month. I'm just furious. 
I was looking so forward to watching this team all summer. And guess what? This team's not even to fucking sniff the playoffs. Not even contend. This team's going to be out of it by fucking May. It's bad. It's bad. It is bad. And look, look I don't know. awful. I it's don't not know. that they're just losing. They look terrible. Yeah, they can't score runs. I'm not sure how much we want to get into this tonight. Um, but I just want to put it on the record. Like, I, I'm fine. Like, hey, 6-11 at the, end of the, at the beginning of the year. Hey, it's not the end of the world. It's a very, very long season. It's a very small sample size. Eyeball test. It doesn't look like it's getting <laughs> much better. They have the best bullpen in the American League, yeah. and they're six and eleven. I don't know how that's possible. Had two hits tonight, Collins. Two hits. They're making random guys look like Cy Young. Yeah, it's 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 tough. Anyways, Rabs, Rabs, can you please drive, please? Can you bring some structure to this podcast? I'll drive. I'll bring some structure. It sounds like everyone's doing well. Um, we can jump right in. <laughs> How are you, Rabs? How are you doing? Thanks, Jesus. Thanks for asking, guys. I was Vegas. just in Vegas. Yeah. I was here. I look, I hate to be that guy to pump my own tires and whatnot, but I was I was hoping that someone would throw me a bone here and we can talk about my weekend <laughs> for God's sake. Um, well, geez, you were you, about you, Stafford, Malik Willis. You were in Vegas, you were in I Las Vegas. Vegas, you were with some buddies. You sent us a very gross Snapchat of you spitting up Budweiser. So, oh, you guys, like, I, I saw that. See that. Did you that, see that? That was a Michelob Ultra, by the way. We're watching uh, watching our carbs this summer. No free ads. No free ads. Um, yep, I was in Vegas. Um, what a time. I mean, first first and foremost, it was so great to see the boys. My one buddy, T-Wills, who listens to the pod every week. Thank you for listening, as always, T-Wills. Could be the only guy that listens. Who knows? Beside the point. Um, great to see him because he was, he was kind of like one of the first guys to move away. I would say, as far as all of my good friends are concerned. So, you know, like probably get to see him the least out of everyone else. So great to see him appreciate his hospitality and schlepping us back and forth to the airport and whatnot. And with all the golf clubs and his Dodge dart. So great to see him. I I'll say like, before I get into the whole Vegas thing, cause I don't think either of you guys have been to Vegas. If I'm mistaken. No, how long did you go? Right. I left. I flew out Thursday night from Detroit at like nine o'clock and we took the red eye back from Monday to Tuesday morning. So I landed in Detroit at Tuesday, Tuesday at six 30 in the morning. So I was like, whatever, four, four days ish, whatever. Well, that's a, they say you can't go longer than that. Right. Yeah. I would say, I would say if you, if I was there a week, I'd probably, I wouldn't say I'd be sick of it, but I just didn't think, I don't think I'd have anything left in the tank. Like there's, there's a certain element to Vegas to where I think you, you that's a truly you either love it or you hate it spot. And it was this weird phenomena of as much as I felt like the trip absolutely flew by. I feel like I was there for two months. Like it was, it was it's a really weird phenomena, but I would say like the look, the best part you go see, you know, you hang out with the boys and just the times of us just like laughing your ass off you know with like that those are the precious moments yes with the fellas i mean just where you're just laughing and having a good time and but as far as the trip was concerned we played two rounds of golf we get there on uh we get there on thursday night i demanded that we go to in and out burger it, whatever it was whatever you know like i just thought you it was demanded? One of those things. well i was wanting to do it i was like i there's an in and out right by um my buddy's house where we were staying the first night. And I was like, we have to go do it. I'm out here. I'm on vacation. So Wait, it, like does your buddy live in Vegas. Right? He lives in like Henderson ish. He lives like kind of outside of 
he's like 10 to 15 minutes from the strip. So he, oh, that's where, yeah, so he lives out there, but go to in and out, whatever is what it is. But we were so exhausted from the flight. Like we just crash, whatever, get up on a Friday morning, go out to play golf at painted desert. First nine holes, it's 50 degrees raining and 25 mile per hour winds. And I was, it was just the toughest, toughest draw you could have possibly had. But luckily after the, after the first nine, beautiful weather, the rest of the week, it wasn't even too hot. It was like high seventies, the mid eighties, sun shining every single day. So we got so lucky with the weather because I don't, and then 90 and above, I have no interest in, but just what a time. I mean, the golf was great. Played the Paiute on, I uh, played Sun Mountain at the Paiute on uh, Monday. Unbelievable track. Probably the, the best and favorite one I've ever played, but um, just eight good. I'll tell you this too. I'll tell you guys a quick story. Like, so we go out to eat the first night and God bless our buddy Wax. who's like trying to put it all together. And we get this list of places to eat. And all of a sudden we land on this Wolfgang Puck restaurant, you know, Wolfgang Puck. You know, yeah, whatever I've heard of the guy. Yeah. So, I mean, we roll in there and, and we sit down and it's, you know, a little a pretty a classy establishment. And the waitress comes over and she's like, would you guys like bottled water or sparkling water? And I'm thinking, like, who am I trying to impress here? Like, we'll just take the bottled water. Sure enough, we start to catch on to the fact that, like, not everyone is drinking bottled water. Some guys are just drinking water out of the spout like they, you know, they come around and they pour you a glass. And so two bottles come around and then all of a sudden on the third bottle, the guy that's pouring the water goes, should I just keep the bottles coming fellas? And I'm thinking like, keep the bottles coming. Like no one ordered like Dom Perignon. Like we're drinking water here. What do you mean? Keep yeah. the bottles coming? How do we, so, how do yeah, we feel tab about open? so, so finally <laughs> our buddy wax is like, can I ask you a, like a stupid question? He's like, are we being charged for this water? And he's like, yeah, the water costs money. And we're like, what the fuck? Because we see people getting, water out of the out of the pitcher and we're like fuck man can you just give us that so sure enough nine dollars a bottle nine dollars a bottle for fucking water pardon my french and you get like you literally get like a, a eight ounce cup of water and then it's gone between five guys we had the burratas the appetizer literally four pieces of bread and these two heaping piles of cheese for five guys just so we got kind of fleeced a couple times on the meals Somehow well, yeah, we I mean, the, the, the bottom money. line, bottom line, Vegas, not cheap, right? It's not. And we spent the most money at like a bar. What's up? I thought the whole thing with Vegas is once you get there, it is cheap. No, I mean, <laughs> no, I'm being serious, did, well, you don't pay if you as long as you're gambling, you don't pay for drinks. So I guess I'll get I'll I don't know why I'm telling you guys about the fucking meals and shit. No one cares. We did go to Wet Republic at MGM, which was like a day club, like pool unbelievable time a little bottle service action how are you didn't speak to a single girl the entire time but i didn't care i was loving it that's how it goes <laughs> just awesome time there but i mean we the the, the highlight of the trip I'm like you go there to gamble right so the casinos were sweet i gotta tell you like i am just so impressed with how las vegas operates like it is just non-stop go 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 people are gambling all the time packed it's just it's unbelievable like the different buildings and casinos and the architecture and every place is so nice and luxurious and it's like fuck where did this place come from you know like it's like a different country so just unbelievably impressed the food was great it's it just it's like it's seriously being in a different country but 
we stayed at the Delano at Mandalay Bay, which next time if we go back, you got to stay more in the middle of the strip because we literally had to Uber everywhere. Um, but I will say we went to the D Las Vegas at like Old Town Las Vegas on Fremont Street. Fremont Street is it's one of those things that you have to like witness in person with like the people like, like there's girls out there like naked and they're spanking you with like whips and stuff to try and get you to spend money and take a picture with them. And, you know, there's the guys out there like the just like on meth and whatnot. And it's crazy. It's unbelievable. But you, you have to see it. The D Las Vegas, unfortunately, is a shithole. We like walked in and walked right out. I don't know why anyone would pay money to stay there. Um, but as far as gambling is concerned, took some heavy losses going into the last day. So we're in the hole going into Sunday. We ended up flying home Monday night, as I said. We're in the hole heavy going into Sunday. And I believe it must have been Saturday. I think it was Saturday night. Me, my buddy T-Wills, and my buddy Wax did not get back to our hotel room until 5.30 in the morning. It was like one of those nights. Like we were out. We, there was literally people on their morning runs running past us as we were dragging ass back to the hotel. But that's like what I wanted to do. I wanted to have one of those nights where I just like saw the sun come up, whatever. Um, but I'm in the whole bad going into Sunday. And I don't know, I, I found this three card poker game that I learned from these two guys in like 30 minutes. I sit down, I climb all the way back to even on Sunday. We roll into Monday back at the three card poker table. And we're literally probably an hour away from leaving for the airport. And I don't know what the hell happened. Cause when it happened, I had to ask the dealer. I'm like, is this money for me? I hit a $275 hand on the three card poker place goes nuts. We sell it like crazy. And just like that, you're leaving Vegas up money. And I, it was just, it was just the greatest feeling in the world because coming back to the hotel on Saturday, down money, bad. Everyone was down bad. And you're walking into the hotel at 530 in the morning. It was a really sad scene. But leaving leaving Vegas, all I could think was like, God, I got to come back. I, I loved it. It was a great time. And I will be back. But what a trip. I know no one cares that's listening to this, but I just had a great time. Great. To no, Rabs, it looked like you it looked like you had a blast. And your oh, little so awesome, man. Your, your, your Snapchat to Collins and I today with, you know, $100 bills in your hand. Yes. With the really arrogant, you, Vegas. Cocky, cocky Snapchat, but I had to do it. I felt I was feeling myself today, taking my money to the bank. It obviously is not a cheap trip to go on, but I think that now that we've been there once and we've seen what it's about, you can do it right the next time. And but I got the itch bad, guys. I might be headed to the MGM on Friday night in Detroit and we'll, we'll see what we can do because I got the itch. But what a time! Unbelievable city, just right. So, I be honest with you, yeah. I don't know what it – I've always – when I was, like, younger, I don't know what it – maybe just gambling's illegal in Michigan. I've never really had the itch to go to Vegas. There's, like, other spots that I haven't been to that, like, I'd rather go to, like, Nashville. Like, I want to go to Broadway when I'm 21. Like, I went there when I was younger. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, no, I, and I think people, people say now that Nashville is, like, our generation's Vegas, which I agree with. I think that – not, Nashville, not like even that. Like, I want to go to New Orleans just as bad as Vegas. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I would rather go to, like, I don't know. I feel like because Michigan at gambling's legal in, like, it's kind of lost the luster for Vegas for me at least. 
Yeah, I mean, you can, but I, I think the thing is with Vegas is like there's so much more to do. No, for than sure. If you were but... Go to Detroit. Like you have. That's the thing. Like when I went to Miami on spring break, I mean, it's it's bars and it's clubs and that's like the whole and the beach and that's the whole Miami thing. Vegas is like there's really not a ton of bars. It's just like the the casinos and every casino is different and the food's great and the nightlife is awesome and the place is just. Like it's just a great place to go out at night. Like I, I think it's definitely and like you know the, you go to like I don't know if you guys saw the one Snapchat of the Circa Sportsbook where they literally have like the TV screens are like three thousand. It's unbelievable. No, I, I, I saw that and it's like unbelievable. Rabs, I know you're not a big NBA playoffs guy, but I saw that and I was looking at that. And I was like, holy shit, that would be amazing <laughs> to watch, dude. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. Like it is such a great spot to go with a group of buddies. Like you just go there with your boys and you're throwing money on some games and you're just sitting there and they're bringing you drinks. You're not paying for them. You're it, it just, it's awesome. I don't, and like if you don't, if obviously if you're not a big gambler, as far as like table games are concerned and in slots, like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Collins. I mean, the appeal's not as there, but the golf, out a, there is yeah, great. I don't like the great golf, games. great golf out there. And then you, you, you know, you hit the pool, like for a, like the club, you go to the pool, you go to a club at night, the old Hakkasan, you know, not that we went out there, but yeah, Rabs, I don't know time. how you're alive. Now that I think of it, you had like five Snapchats of you at golf courses. I don't know how you're living right now. Well, like, I'll tell you, you my upright. knees, my knees are in really, really bad shape. I've been in, it's, it's very hard for me to get around right now with my knees. I will tell you, and no free ads here. We got a, if you listen to the spit and chicklets podcast by barstool sports, they always plug this thing called DHM detox. And it's supposed to be this thing, like these pills that you take before you start drinking. And it's supposed to curb your hangover. Essentially those things saved my ass so bad between, between the sun and how sunburnt I got from being at the pool and being on the golf course, the lack of water, like they have the mini bar in your room. You can't drink any of the waters because it costs money. So right. you're just staring at this water all day. I'm not sure how good the water is supposed to be in Vegas out of the tap. So there's that going for you. You can't put anything in the fridge. It's illegal to put stuff in the fridge because it's all weighted, like with the mini bar and shit. So water is so inaccessible. I probably drank 12 ounces of water the entire trip and how much you're just drinking and walking around and whatnot. This DHM detox. I mean, I don't know what's in it. I have no clue what went in my body with this thing, but it absolutely saved my ass, especially you coming back five 30 in the morning. You're going to sleep at six. You're up at nine 30. Cause we were going, I mean, that's the other thing I want to tell you guys before we move on. That time zone is so fucked with sports. The last games start at seven o'clock. So you're having nights where you're out until three o'clock, four o'clock, five thirty in the morning, and the last NBA game and the last NHL game of the day end at ten. And like, awful. what are you supposed to do? It's, and it's awful. And and the good thing is, like during the NFL season, yeah, I hear you can wake up or the yeah, but ch- it, you you don't have the late night college football, which is arguably the best late night sport of all time. Yeah, so, and so it's it's. I mean, I was livid like and we had to get up like the wings played twice while we were there we were up at nine o'clock in the morning right downstairs at the sports book with money on the wings was, yeah that that's, was, that was cool yeah, but that's but like, that that's well, like the give and take you have like you're like maybe right. like you get a little bit in the, in the morning but when it's like a saturday or it's a friday i want that late game i need that late game 
especially yes. if you're going out somewhere. Yes. And that's where I was just, it was kind of like, you know, what are we doing here with these times? But beside the point, great time. I, I thought I would feel a lot worse coming home. I literally slept from, I want to say I slept from like, if I got home at uh, nine ish, let's call it nine ish on Monday. I slept till 5. PM. Like I was done or on Tuesday. I mean, so what a time I'll be back. Viva Las Vegas. Thank God I was up money coming home because it could have just been bad. Anyways, anyways, let's move on. I know no one gives a shit about my vacation to Vegas. I, I understand that. So hey, some people do. I know. I know. Welcome back. I know one guy who cares and he's right here. Thank you. Trent. <laughs> I appreciate you very much, but we'll move. We'll move on to Tigers baseball. I now I like I said I caught my flight on Thursday. I went down to Comerica Park on Thursday for the one o'clock game um, to hopefully see Miggy's hit. And just like the whole deal with the 500 home runs, where I probably went to six straight home games and never saw it, I believe Miggy went. He did go 0 for four. And I I had that feeling going into the park on Thursday. I was like, this is such a Miggy game where it's going to be 0 for 4 with two flat foot waving strikeouts where he looks like he's never played the game of baseball before. And that's exactly what it was. So that's what I got to witness Thursday. That first at bat didn't get you out of your seat, Revs. Which one? The fly ball in the first inning. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, but it was just like I, you kind of knew, like, I, I just had that feeling like it wasn't going to happen. You know, I just, I kind of bring that bad juice. Well, it probably. The park, it, but. It probably looked deeper on TV too, because Collins, I was screaming, I was dangerous. No, anytime it hits the bat in that situation, you lose your shit. Yeah. yeah. So, but the the best thing about it was how quiet. I don't. I'm sure you guys experienced it too, but not for as, as much because it happened almost immediately. But when the when the pitcher was in his windup, it was dead silent. And yes, when the ball hit his bat, you just hear the sound, and you're like, "This is the hit," you know. But obviously, it didn't happen. And I was very upset that I knew, like, okay, Friday it's going to happen. Obviously, like, I I knew that that was just going to be the th- or what what day did it happen? Friday or sa- Saturday? Because the well, game Friday got, got rained out. Yes. Yeah. So I knew it was going to happen. Then we were sitting at breakfast watching it on our phone, um, and just just awesome. Like, I'm very happy that you guys got to be there. So I'll I'll let you guys take kind of take over as far as what it was like being at the park and seeing it live, and then we can. You know, obviously I'll hop back in and kind of give my thoughts on it, but you guys were there. So what was it like? It was the not excluding playoff games. It was the best Detroit sporting event I think I've ever been to. Has to be. I would agree. I would agree. It was just a perfect day. Super nice downtown. I got a uh, rat my neck. I got so sunburned because I wasn't prepared. Just I was sitting in the right field bleachers and the sun was just beating on my neck, wrapped my neck, wrapped my thighs, just burnt. And I'm usually a guy who can take some pretty well, but just the atmosphere. Um, by the way, I stand by this. I actually think the Rockies like might have like set that up in the first inning. They literally had no one on the second base side. And I was like, uh, have they watched Miggy for 13 years? It, I, 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 I they might have served him one up. I just I have a conspiracy about that because they just wanted to get it over with, at, like to start the series. But I, whatever. Um, but I mean, Mickey gets a hit, incredible. But when Torkelson hit the home run in the same inning, that I haven't heard Comerica that like electric, juiced, like 
I well, bet, Collins, I would, Collins uh, how far were you from how how far up were you from the torque home run? Where it it was, I was pretty far away. I was like more by like the retired numbers. Okay. The field. Okay. But just it was it was awesome. And see Miggy do it at home. It was really cool because he hit that 500. Last year was weird when he hit the 500 one. It was like a Sunday day game against Toronto. There's no one there. It, and it just kind of felt like that sucked. Like, I feel like he deserved it. Like, they made a big deal about it when he came back. But it was nice that Miggy kind of, because he doesn't have a championship with Detroit. He doesn't. And if you watch his team, he's probably never going to get one, which fucking sucks. It's awful. And to, and I'm not an individual accomplishment guy, but like 3,000 hits, there's only 33 people to ever do that in Major League Baseball. Yeah. And yeah. he was a Tiger for, I think, 2,500 of those hits. So it was nice to see him kind of have finally, because I like he's had his days in the sun, but Triple Crown on the road in Kansas City. Like they, like they win the ALCS in 2012 at home. Other than that, like, I think that's probably his best moment in Detroit. Just that reaction to like the atmosphere. So it was nice to see Miggy kind of just I, as crazy as this sounds. I think Miguel Cabrera is underrated as an all-time Detroit athlete. Yes, no, he yes. totally is. He totally is, Collins. And I, it was nice that. to see him get his due. No, I and, and so I can't add much to that because Collins nailed it. I will say this, you know, as 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 our resident Lions season ticket holder. I have never been a part of a atmosphere like that was uh, at, at Comerica Park on Saturday. And it was for both games, honestly. I mean, I, I, Collins, I know you didn't stay for the night game, but it kind of hung over because a lot of the people that had tickets to the Friday game, which is when the hit should have been, of course, that carried over and was the second game of the doubleheader on Saturday. So uh, Saturday, it was pretty packed as well, and people were just happy. Like every time Miguel Cabrera – was up to bat people were on their feet and it was simply just because he got his hit so early and I loved the fact that he got his hit early and it was a vintage Miggy hit you know he pulls one uh you know between first base and second it was it was perfect and I loved that it happened in his first at bat it would have been kind of cool like the sports fan in me thinks it would have been kind of cool if it was everyone's on edge for seven eight innings like Rabs was on Thursday where you're you know maybe Miggy hits his 3000 hit in a clutch situation or something like that. But nonetheless, I'll take the 13 all win or whatever the score ended up being. Uh, so I don't know. I can't add when much Tork to it. hit that home run shot. That place was out of control. That's the thing is I, I, I have to, that, that that's the last point I wanted to make Collins was that park was damn near full. I mean, it was like 90, 80, 80, 90% full. And it was just awesome to, it was more yeah. than nine. It was, not, it was, I'm pretty sure it was a sellout. No, it was, it was, it was very close to, if not a sellout and people, it was just a matter of who was in their seats and whatnot. But Collins, you hit the nail on the head when you said that it was just the, the, the crowd was electric crowd was roaring. Comerica did a great job for Miggy. And again, no one really wants to hear us like sit here and recount all that because people have their own memories from, but I'm just saying it was a great game and it was a great day. And I think the Tigers really, you know, from top to bottom fed off of that. And you see guys like Torque, like you said, Collins, go yard. And guys like Austin Meadows take advantage. And guys like Chris Bryant in left field drop pop flies. And everyone's getting, you know, 
it, it was incredible. Guys in right field are calling him Chris Jenner. It was incredible. I'm just, I just want to say, great atmosphere from Comerica, and uh, and, and obviously, congrats to Miggy. But it was, I would agree with you, Collins. I say all that to say this: it was the, it was the most fantastic Detroit sports moment that I've been in attendance for. That's that, without question, you know. Yes. Yeah. Probably for me too. Um, I've been to some Michigan state things that are probably way higher than that. Just right. Right. But, um, like the little giants play. No, not, I mean, maybe 3000 probably that's like right up there. I mean, 2013 big 10 championship game against Ohio state will probably forever be my favorite thing I've ever been to just cause I don't know. I just, them beating Ohio state that day was unfathomable in my mind. Um, but I just, the thing about it that was annoying to me in the moment is like the people who are like, oh, it was just so great to see Comerica like this again. Comerica will be like that if you win. Yeah. It is historically a great fan base. Like I saw a stat that, uh, a couple of days ago on one of those retro sports accounts where it's like Tigers lead attendance in the AL for like the 10th straight year at like Tiger Stadium. And it was like in the 90s when they yeah. weren't even that good. Like, this is a, a great baseball fan base, and they've been so shitty for so long. And you get a glimmer of hope, and, like, this people are going to show up. Like, every, like, I mean, they're five games under 500 right now, and the AL Central is a mess, like, as a division currently. That's the one know. silver lining, Collins, is the fact that no one's really taking the bull by the horns in the division. Well, I mean, the White Sox are so banged up. Um I don't. I mean, I don't think the Twins are that good, personally. No, they're, they're not. not. They're not, and neither are the Guardians. And, and I don't. I are the Twins leading division now? I thought the Guardians were, but um, no, it's still the Guardians. But the Guardians are hitting at like an outlier type, like cliff. Like they're not going to keep this up. No. So how much are? Do you know what the record is? Can someone pull that up? Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. Because the Tigers, what are like four games bad? Probably the, the, already. The Twins, the Twins are ten and eight. The White Sox are nine and ten. The Guardians are, oh, excuse me, the White Sox are seven and ten. Guardians seven and ten. Royals six and ten. The Tigers six and eleven. Dog the Tigers shit. are in last. Dog shit. Ten, yeah, how how far are the Tigers out? Three and a half games. Okay. Minnesota's ten and eight. They lead. They're over the Guardians and Sox by two and a half. So like. By the way, Tiger should. I mean, I'm just saying, like, the whole like thing is like it was awesome to see Comerica like that. I mean, all of us have seen Comerica like that. Yeah. And I'm not saying, yeah. it, like, in, in a sense, like, I'm not counting playoff games. So it's going to a playoff game at Comerica. I, I, that is up there too in top five. Top, like, it is just as cool of an atmosphere as you could ever go to. Like, when da- I, I went, I was lucky enough to go, I mean, not lucky enough to go to. 2012 World Series were sweeping game, but when Delman Young hit the home run in the right field, I think to tie that game, I, I, I place was like shaking. So I, I, if you win, like if you're not even if you win, if you're like competitive and in this division, that ballpark is going to be packed all summer. Yeah, so no, I, Collins, that, I agree. I think Collins, what that you're narrative, saying is- I didn't get that narrative. Where it's like, hey, you got to support these guys. You wanted to – it was on the Tigers fans and you guys were losing 110 games? Yeah. Well, like, what, what, what was that narrative? I didn't understand. And I think Miggy kind of pointed that out when he did his little speech after, and he's like, hey, guys, I'm happy we got it out of the way. But you guys could see what this ballpark can be like. Because when the Tigers are good, 
I honestly think Comerica is one of the best. Like, it, it Titers are such good baseball fans. Yeah, and, and you really saw that on Saturday. That's my main point. That that's the, that's the bottom that, line, Collins. Is like the the Tigers have a top five fan base. It's not a. It's not necessarily. I, I, but, it's so, tough the, to say that. If I, I mean, they're in the mix. But it's when really, people think, when people talk about great ballparks, like ninety percent of that, or, or a very good fraction of that, is the fan base, like the atmosphere, and well, like the Tigers. I, the have Tigers that. are not a bandwagon team. I just from a like. I don't know. This is a larger discussion we can have like every week if we wanted to have, but like I, I get, I'm we're on the same page, Sean. I just, yes, you can. Detroit is a place where it just appreciates like baseball, and you saw that on Saturday. By the way, yeah. this team sucks again. We said it well, earlier. This team is terrible. We'll get into that because we'll talk about the we we can real quick. I guess like two minutes covering. Yesterday is one of the baseball. worst losses yeah, yeah. I've seen in Tigers history. It was horrible, but I I do want to I do want to throw out there in full transparency. Uh, I was there of course on Saturday, and I called Rabs and I called Collins, and I got sent to voicemail on both. I all I wanted to do was you know give a nice little hello and say you know give a give a let's go tigers i got nothing Rabs, i did not i did not send Colin you to voice i did not send when you, you voicemail i did not send you to voicemail i was i would think i was sitting down at breakfast or i wasn't awake i'm three hours behind i was three hours what behind, did you call i i don't know Collins probably saw me click the client I, I never clicked the client i'm just not available i don't look at my phone if i'm doing things i truly don't Collins, I called you at 11.59 on Saturday. When did you call me, Trent? What was the time stamp? 11.37. I called you guys within 20 minutes of each other. Okay, so it was 9.30. I, I was juiced. I was tailgating. I just wanted to get a little Go Tigers action, and neither one oh, of you no, guys. Oh, no, I was up. not awake. When you called me, I was not awake. It was 8-something. We got down to breakfast at, like, 9.30 or something. Okay, like I don't that's know. fine. Beside the point, I wanted to throw in one quick blurb about Meggie just because I feel like I want to say my piece. I feel... First of all, baseball is such an unbelievable game. And I love the line from Moneyball where he's like, it's hard to not be romantic. Like, how can you not be romantic about baseball? And I know, you know, Miggy made the point too. like this game's never been about individual accomplishments, but it really it, it. I think the individual accomplishments in the game of baseball are so profound because of how hard of a game it actually is and to be really good at the game. And I'm just I'm so grateful to it, it's such a rare thing in sports like obviously every team has their all-time greats right but to also have all-time greats of the game and of the sport play for your team can be very rare and I don't know like I can go through every you can go through every single team in the history of sports of like who you know wh- how which teams have the most all-time greats like nationally or as far as the sport is concerned or sports in general but Miguel Cabrera is one of those guys that is going to go down in history as, if not the, one of the best right-handed hitters of all time, just statistically, factually, whatever. So to have been able to watch Miggy as a kid and to just kind of see this whole journey to where when you're a kid and you see Miggy hit, it's just like, this is a guy that hits the baseball really far and it always seems like he's getting big hits and he's knocking runs in and he's awesome. He's a great player. But the older you get, for me at least, when you start to kind of take in his statistics and to, to see how good he's been for so long and how how small of company he's put himself into with the three 3,000 hits and the 3,000 hits and the 600 doubles at some point and the 500 home runs, it's like 
it, it, it's what an amazing thing to have been able to see, like in a way, maybe not on the same level, but it's like being able to say that you watched Babe Ruth play baseball growing up. Like to me, that's how I view Miggy. And so, as you guys said, like couldn't be happier for him to be able to see that accomplishment through and have the proper uh, reaction at home from all the, from the entire fan base. And really right now, I know he's been kind of slow for the last couple of games, like since he hit 3000, but he's probably your best, if not one of your two best hitters slash players on this Tigers team right now, but just Which amazing. Is not like, great. And, and now he can, now he can kind of like, there's, I don't think, you know, he'll, he'll hit his double in due time. Like no one's going to games on the edge of their seat, waiting to see the double, but in due time, that'll happen too. And then the rest of Miggy's career, he can just play with no pressure. He can DH and, He's got one more year after this, and it sounds like he's hanging it up for sure after this next year. So if you're a Tigers fan, you better enjoy every at-bat that Mickey has, and you better hope and pray that the Tigers can get themselves into the playoffs next year because this year so far, not great, and, and, and hopefully make some miraculous run because I, to this day, even tonight, watching an inconsequential game against the Twins on a Wednesday night, when it's 40 degrees outside of Minnesota, there's 100 people in the ballpark. Literally every time Miggy's at the plate, it's like watching Game 7 of the World Series for me. It's like I hang on to every pitch. I just want to see him mash the ball and have those numbers get pumped up. I love the guy so much. But beside the point, now as we get off the Miggy train and we can talk about this team for a bit before we do the more important thing here and talk about Lions draft. Yeah, Collins, they've been fucking really bad. And I, I feel like we've had a lot of profanity in this episode. I'm sorry. But, like, they – Comes with like, the territory. Last night with the game with the – obviously, they they completely blow it in the ninth inning with between Bob Grossman, like it's like his first time playing in the outfield, and Eric Haas essentially having his brain malfunction on him when the ball gets the home plate. Like, it's it was terrible. It was embarrassing. Yes. It, and it, like the fact that it kind of went viral was very, very sad. But the greater scheme of this baseball team right now, and yes, opening day was awesome. They've, they've you know, they the 13 nothing win against the Rockies was great. So, but that's two out of your four wins. And in really every other game, like they suck bad. And like well, you can said, I, Collins, they're they look like, a, they look like a poorly prepared team, too. Yeah, they're never like they start so slow. I've never seen a team so unprepared to start a baseball game. Every like they're always I, behind every game. I can't like there's been games like I can't how many games other than the 13 run game against the Rockies. I can't remember another game where they had more than like three hits after no, the no no Collins. They're, the they're averaging seven. They're averaging three runs per game. Three. No, I'm saying like three hits. After oh. the first four innings, like <laughs> I can't remember a game where they've done that. Well, here's what I want to say: if if we want to talk about last night's game specifically, because I think that's kind of what the people want to hear. I think there's there's four levels of blame. Okay, first of all, there's Greg Soto for walking the first two guys. You can't do that. But I would argue he kind of found his groove, striking out a guy and then putting himself in position to you know double someone up, whatever. Neither here nor there. You can't walk your first two guys. Then level number two. Robbie Grossman, like you said, Rabs, took such a poor route to the ball. Well, he just and never that, moved. It was ridiculous. Oh, it was just so bad. And to see that he missed it by literally an inch and a half is just painful because it's like 
Bob, can you jump? Can you get more than two inches off the ground? Wow. Level three, level three, Eric Haas just completely butchers it, you know, throwing a candy, throwing it two feet over candy's head. And level four, and this is something I don't think anyone talked about, is the fact that Eric Haas shouldn't have even been in the ball game at that point because for some reason A.J. Hinch wanted to pinch hit him for Tucker Barnhart in the eighth inning. I, I, I don't understand this formula, and I think, Rabs, you would agree with me more on this than Collins would, but I don't, I don't understand this formula of, quote-unquote, let's get some guys some innings. And, you know, we've got all these guys who can play and are worthy of being able to play. And we got three catchers and yada, yada, yada. We got to get guys innings. Dude, I don't need to see Haas pinch hitting for Barnhart when Barnhart is hitting 259 this year at the time. And you got Haas who's hitting like one thing. Like, I understand Haas has good pinch hitting numbers. But that, to me, is, is, is where I'll kind of hand the keys to Rabs here because I think Hinch looked at his spreadsheet and he saw that, you know, Haas is hitting 313 in pinch hitting situations in his career. And I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pinch hit Eric Haas for Tucker Barnhart. Tucker Barnhart doesn't overthrow that, doesn't overthrow that ball to third. And I guess that's my bottom line. I think that was something that kind of skated under the radar is the substitution that was made that resulted in the error that lost you the game. That substitution did not need to be made. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I I get what you're saying. I'm always like, if if I'm always a proponent of putting the best bats in the lineup, and in that if that matchup or whatever, like if I, and I don't try, I truly don't remember. I don't know if I was watching the game at that point before that last inning to where or the bottom of the ninth, I should say, where that substitution was made. So was it what was like a like a lefty pitcher on the mound? He threw Hassan. Dude, I don't even know. All, all, all I know is I remember it was a lefty yep. pitcher. And they brought in Haas. That's what happened. Yes, That's, thank you, whatever. Collins. Collins has the technicalities. Thank you, Collins. No, but I, I get – I, and I think at that point, too, is after bias throws yes, yard. Yes, it's after you're already no. ahead 4-3. Like, what is the point, bro? What are I we doing? I get that, but there was – I think men uh, – there was men in scoring position, obviously. So I understand you're trying to get that insurance run. I don't, I don't hate it, but I do get your point, Trent, where you want the better defensive catcher – and the ninth to handle your pitching set. Yeah, you I got one, exactly. You got one more inning to play. Like just throw them. And I, and again, guys, there's uh, like I said, there's four levels to blame here. And the first one is Soto throwing eight straight balls to start the ninth right. inning. I, I get that, but like Colin said, I would rather have Tucker Barnhart behind a dish than Eric Haas, just because you felt a little more confident that Haas could get you your insurance run. And in my mind, I'm thinking, and I know everyone hates Greg Soto. You got an all-star closer on the mound, and you're, try, you're trying to get three I don't more. I hate outs. Greg Soto. Well, yeah, no one loves Greg Soto. I like Greg Soto, but I'm I just really thinking. like Greg Soto. <laughs> okay, but but what, <laughs> what I'm saying, Collins, is I understand that you know he's had his ups and downs and that kind of thing, but you got to get three outs, and I guess ultimately you just let him do his thing. And he did start to settle in there. And if Robbie Grossman catches that ball, it's two outs with the runners on first and second, and it's, you know, forced any bag and you end the game. I, I don't know. I just, that's well, what I'm saying. I, the, the thing about Soto that is really weird to me is we've been like, this guy has lights out, like lights out fastball. He has a wipeout slider. He doesn't throw his slider. I don't understand and I that is not a him thing. 
Yeah, he just throws gas. He literally just throws all fastballs, and his stuff's electric, and it works some nights, but, like, Grossman should have made that play 100 out of 100 times. But there's a ton of hard-hit balls in off of Dred Soto, which is the biggest – like, I like Soto. I think he has potential to be a really, really good closer. They got to – they got to do a better job of him mixing in sliders. And I get the fastball so good, you want to throw that more. But, like, he'll throw, like, six or seven straight fastballs. You can't have that. You got to keep him honest. I'm not saying throw a lollipop slider in there, but, like, just do something. I, I, like, I feel a lot of his problems is just having – and I like it. His slider is not even a bad secondary pitch. That's why the one thing I have a problem with it. Like, I think it's more the passable. So – I don't know. There's and, and people were complaining that Fulmer wasn't in the ninth. They use Fulmer in the most high leverage situation, and it's the best players in the Twins lineup. So that argument is completely mute to me. Soto just didn't have command last night, and then let up a hard hit ball that should have been a play made by Drosman, and then everyone just lost their minds when that ball down the infield. I, I'm not kidding. That is one of the worst plays. I've ever seen out of a major league baseball team. And bad. by the way, they've done, they've had a couple of those. The Tyler Alexander dropping a pop-up leads to two runs against New York Yankees. This team has been awful defensively. Awful. And that was one thing that Hinch said, hey, if we want to be productive, we want to be good. That's what every playoff team is a good defensive team in baseball these days. You look at the numbers. Like – Having a better defensive team than a better offensive team is like valuable when it comes to making the playoffs. Like run saved is more important than run stored if you look at the analytics of it. And this team has not bailed out their starting pitching defensively at all. You look at Erod and his second start against the Red Sox, they give up like seven runs, two of them only earned by Erod because Candy makes a horrible error at third base. They just, they're not good. This flat out, like, we had all these expectations for them. Right now, they are simply not good. I'm not saying there's no way they're not going to turn it around, but, like, when you look at Candelario and Strope, and they don't even look close to figuring it out. They don't look close. But do looks lost. That's a guy that you thought you would have some expectations with. It seems like he's going to be a lost cause for a while. Um, Austin Meadows has been a bright spot. And I'll be honest, Austin Meadows' average is great. He hasn't really hit the ball that hard. He's had a lot of no. Everything's singles, a fucking bloop single, which is fine. Which is fine. Like I'm not. Yeah, he's so yeah, better than nothing. Better than, what, better than what. Better than what Candy like, and Scope are giving you. No, no. For obviously, Meadows yeah. has been great. It's yes. been a great trade. I'm just. My point is that it's not. They have no one who is consistently other than Miguel Cabrera who can't hit for any power and Javier Baez. They have no pop in this lineup. Zero. And Tortelson, you can argue Tortelson. I disagree a little bit. I think that Tortelson is going to be a great hitter in the Major League Baseball because he's just so disciplined and he has a really good approach. Like, he'll figure it out. He's just too young for me to rely on him consistently in the power aspect. And I think he's going to be able to give you, like, 15 to maybe 20 this year, which is impressive out of a guy. But they have no pop in this lineup. And if the solution is Riley Green in three months – then I, 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 I'm sorry that like, it sucks. This summer might be a very long summer for an organization that sucked for four years. And it finally looked like we were going to see some bright spots. 
and it looks like we have another year of just misery. Um, Trent, back to your your thing about Hinch, I guess. I, I believe I said before the season started, I'm not going to do this whole thing all year, but I, it, it is just really frustrating that like you, they can't, I was frustrated as far as the last night debacle is concerned. And I, <clears throat> excuse me, I sent you guys the clip of his post-game press conference, how hinge just like completely bailed out Robbie Grossman and was like, the ball took off on Robbie. And uh, we thought we did, he did a great job of getting the ball in. Like, dude, shut the fuck up. He's a he's a major league baseball player. The ball took off on him. He jumped three inches in the air for a root. It was a routine ball in the right field. He didn't move when the ball was hit. He thought it was coming right at him. He didn't move. He makes a half-ass effort to, to catch the ball and he gets the ball in the second base like he's six years old. Like, good job. Good job out there, Billy. Way to get the ball in after it was hit over your head. And there's six guys have scored now because the ball rolled to the fence and there's a stand-up triple. Are you kidding me? So my whole my whole thing is just this this fucking guy in this lineup, he can never just put the lineup, the same lineup out two days in a row. He can never just let guys play the game. Robbie Grossman penciled in every day like he's like he's because he's okay. Robbie Grossman's been great at the plate this year. Has he? Has he, Collins? He's batting three hundred. I doesn't. I with walks. Stop. We're not doing this. We're no, not he, doing this. Listen, Rabs. He has completely. And, and, and I, Reyes looked good earlier in the year. He's hurt. So I there's. I don't know who else you play. But dudes looked awful. If you can, if you can just take a second to appreciate what this team has from the standpoint of your outfielders that are supposed to be part of this team in the future. Robbie Grossman is not going to be on this team when this team wins a World Series. He's not. So if that's, again, and you're another stopgap guy that gets penciled in every single game, He's not a, every single day, and takes at-bats away from everyone else, fine, I, great. I, Great. They're trying to win. They're doing a great job. They're six and ten. I so, understand that. That's why it's frustrating. But AJ AJ Hinge pencils in Robbie Grossman every day like he's Mickey Mantle. Fine. I think that's a criminal offense, and there should be an investigation by Major League Baseball as to what uh, Robbie Grossman has on AJ Hinge that he gets to play every single day. Jamer Candelario, because, can you sit him down? Can we sit Jamer down for a second? Bring bring someone else up to play third base. Someone. I, hey, I don't. Rabs, I don't Rabs, can, can I? Can I put a? Can I pause for a second? Because sure. I want to throw. I want to throw something at you guys. Sure. What if, in in light of the Jamer situation, throw Torque at third? No, he can't even no, play first. Been awful at first. He can't play okay. first, dude. He should be a DH. Yeah, okay, I digress. done. No, but whatever. Maybe the the Robbie Grossman thing I've obviously completely overblown for the sake of of theatrics. But I I just don't I don't appreciate how. Every single day, it, we're, we're 16 but games. What, Rebs, what you say this very vaguely, who do you want every day in the lineup? Like, make that point for me. My my point for you would be would be this: I would like to have Derek Hill in the lineup regularly in center field because he's a I like that. Yeah, a tremendous defender. He's fast. Meadows has to play left every day. When Victor Reyes is healthy, I would like to see him play right field more. I'd also like I don't would also like Tucker Barnhart to play every day behind the plate. And now that he's not hitting a hundred, yes. he he should play every day. I just don't, the, the Collins. My my point he hasn't more been so great comes defensively. To be fair, my my point more so comes from the standpoint of the, the how Hinch tries to get guys innings based 
locked on these matchups when no one's hitting. So to play Eric Haas in left field, I think is comical. To, 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 to throw Harold Castro in the lineup every now and then, whatever. But that's a guy to me that should be coming off the bench on a regular basis in pinch hitting situations. Between Jonathan Scope and Jamer Candelario, thank God. Thank God he finally moved Jamer out of the four spot because my God, is he fucking terrible. And tonight he watched three straight pitches hit the same spot in the zone and didn't swing at a single pitch. You're right, Collins, him and scope. And I said this like last week to the, to the effect of they always seem to figure it out at some point. And you can always just kind of see like Jamer and in scope could, will be hitting around 275 in a few months. They are so disinterested at the plate. And Akil Badu, th- he needs to be sent down to AAA tomorrow. If you're not going to give him at-bats, he's got 35 at-bats this year. If you're not going to let him swing every day and at least try to get in a rhythm, then send him down so he can well, get they, some cuts they and swing. they him a lot, Rabs. He's got 35 at-bats. Yeah, well, he, I'm pretty sure he started probably – Seven out of the first eight games of the year in center he, field. He, he did, but at this point, he's he's not hitting well. So if you're gonna if you're not gonna let him figure it out by playing every day, then send him down. It just like I I don't know. They just can't seem to figure out. And 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 granted, I don't know what every single team in the league does on a day to day basis as far as their lineups are concerned. But you 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 have to to give me some credit when I say that this lineup is different. Every single day. He just can't roll out the same guys two days in a row. It's unbelievable. Think, it really is. And I think the pitching. I feel like this lineup is to be, I, I, that's where I just disagree with you. I, I, the, there's minor changes to every lineup. What are the changes that they well, make? I, here's, here's my thing. If I can, hop I get Rabs, me and you, we said this last time. I agree. I did. I find no purpose in air toss playing left field. Find zero purpose in it. I completely agree with you. But, like, I, I think they've done that twice, and one was during a doubleheader. So, I, I, I don't think there's a ton of change. And with the Baez injury, you had guys like Car- Harold Castro and Willie Castro playing a little bit more than you want to. Yeah. But I feel like they throw out the same lineup and just kind of rotate center field, which I'm fine with. Well, it's, look, I mean, I, I think the days of us growing up with like, you they know, just don't do that anymore. The maybe and maybe so, Collins, maybe that's true. But I think the reason Rab's upset and I kind of am, too, is like I like to kind of have a grip on what my team looks like. And it just seems like but between having three catchers and like you said, Collins, rotating center field every day. And throwing Eric Haas in left field, even though Austin Meadows factually has your best batting average on the team. <laughs> I did just, that once. <laughs> we acted like that. No, I, no, no. Eric Haas has played left field at least three games this year. Yeah, but uh, Meadows has been in the lineup those other games. He DH that other game. Okay. I guess my point is just that, like, I would like to have somewhat of a solid idea of who's playing every day. And I don't, I don't with this team. I don't, I wake up every day and I'm waiting for the tweet of what the yeah, lineup exactly. is. Exactly. Trent. It's like what, but then, then, then I, I completely disagree with you guys. Well, that's, that's fine. But when Riley green, when Riley green comes back into the fold, where, what's Robbie Grossman's role then Collins? Is he playing He's every starting. day still? He's starting. Where? where? Right God. field. Akil Badu won't be starting. Derek Hill won't be starting. Robbie Grossman is going to start on this team the entire year. Unless this team gets far out of the race, he will be traded. 
to a team that actually wins. Hinch well, is in love with Grossman because he gets on base. Great. So do I in, in my adult league softball. But but beside the point, I just I don't know if for a team that has tried to rebuild. Do you really think Robbie Grossman's going to be here for the next five I years? I don't give a fuck about the future anymore. Listen, Rabs. Listen, I want to win now. We don't. That's where that's where yes. you guys. That's that is where you guys have completely diverged. Completely. All, I don't understand yes. this. We're trying to win now. No, I'm this is where, this is where you guys have come flowers for watching the, like a guy get a million at bats get better throughout the year. If you can't compete right now, I don't want to deal with it. And guess what? If this team slides over the next two months, I'll reevaluate. But at this point of the year, I'm over the rebuilding shit. Let's fucking try and win. Yeah, listen, we're all ready to compete, but we're at the point now where Collins and Rabs are running alongside each other, and then Rabs just pivots, takes a 180, and goes the complete opposite direction with Bob Grossman. Because here's the thing: Collins is saying he gets on base. He, he's you know he's a plus for the team right now, and I agree with that. But I also agree with Rabs, who says he's not a part of the long term future. Why not get some of these young outfielders innings? And we've talked about this at nauseum for right, we years have. now. Yeah, I know years. we have. I just look, I, I get the sentiment of I, I want to win now too. Yes. But I if it was one of those things where I thought that the, your your reserve outfielders between Hill, Reyes, and Badu were and Badu is that bad right now. But between those three guys, if I thought that it was really that big of a gap between them and Robbie Grossman, I wouldn't be having this conversation. I think it, it I don't is think the gap is that big. In my opinion, it's not. Between I know Reyes is banged up. Maybe right now. Reyes. I I, you can make the argument for Reyes so far because he looked better when he got opportunities this year, but he's hurt. So whatever the pitching has been fine. The bullpen has been great. great. Really? They've been great. And the starting pitching, look, I, I like Michael Pineda stuff. I know he got kind of lit up tonight, but he's been a very steady pitcher for his, for his, you know, 10 year plus MLB career. And I'm watching him pitch the one game, this first game in Detroit on Thursday, I was incredibly impressed. And I think that's a great well, what, guy. Uh, he had, he had the what, like a six pitch second inning, six pitches. Yeah, I I was just I'm I think that he's got a pretty good pitch mix, and I, I I think that he's 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 in pretty good control on the mound usually. And like I said, he got obviously taken deep a couple times tonight by Max Kepler, but I I think that that's a great fifth guy in your rotation, and to be able to move Tyler Alexander back to the, Alexander back to the bullpen, you get Andrew Chafin tonight, who was not good tonight. Brandon his first start or his first uh, appearance with the Tigers. Um, and then, you know, hopefully Funkhauser comes down the line. Joey Wentz will be up at some point. Um, Bo Bereski obviously is in the mix now too. So I like how he looked. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you who I like too, who pitched well recently was Tarek Skubal was great recently too. Oh, like, he looked, I mean, he's the guy, he's the guy. So I, in, in, as far as Eduardo Rodriguez is concerned, I just feel he's like fine. He, he's, is not getting run support. Like, like he should be. And, and I don't know, I, look, I, I don't, we don't need to bag on the tigers too much more, but the the hitting is like, there's, there is no timely hitting whatsoever. They leave a ton of guys on base and there's just the, the defense is, is, is laugh out loud, bad. Like even like Torkelson, Torkelson is fucking awful at receiving the ball at first base. If you don't throw it right at his chest, there's a good chance he's not picking the ball up. And I'm not talking about the Javi overthrow today when they tried to turn two and Javi airmailed one over to Torque and he had to jump and try to make a tag. I'm just saying, like, like routine plays in the field, he, he doesn't have very good hands. 
And and it, it is what it is because he's young. But it, these things add up. The the candy error that costs you multiple runs in the Red Sox series, the the Grossman and Haas shit, like it adds up. Like you you can't expect to win games especially when you're playing teams that you should be beating. And when you just give a give away runs because you're so bad in the field, it's embarrassing. Like it, yeah. it's, it really is terrible. And that's like one of my bigger gripes with Robbie Grossman. He's not, he's not a good defender. He's not. So whatever. I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here all year and, and rag on I, this. This will be the last time I rag on Robbie Grossman this year. I'm not going to do it anymore for the sake of the podcast, but I would like to see at some point, when Victor Reyes is healthy, I think that's a guy you can't take Meadows out of the lineup factually. And your best center fielder is Derek Hill. So as far as, I mean, I'd like to see him get some more at bats, but Derek Hill adds a whole different layer to your lineup that you don't have when he's not in there. He's fast as shit. He can lead off. He can bat nine, maybe not, not a great leadoff hitter, but he can bat ninth. He can play defense with the best of them. He's And if he can get some at bats, like you saw last year, he can hit. Yeah, but I don't got hurt. He would have got at bats last year if he didn't if he stayed healthy. Right. They're they're just the the, the hitting is is just truly pathetic. They don't I mean it, the it power. seriously can't get worse. I right. can't get Their worse. Their team so. average is like around 200. I think they're they can't, they're not their slugging percentage as a team is awful. And is like you know, Torkelson, and I get like that's you know, he's the rookie, so the eyes are on him. You know, I, I, he does strike out a ton, like just a ton. And, and, and he is young. He so walks a lot though. I, I think that he'll be just fine as far as his yeah. production in the lineup, but my yes. God, I mean, someone's got to take a look at him at, at first base and, and, and really needs to help him out defensively. Cause he is, and you know, maybe if you didn't spend so much time trying to make him play third, maybe that would have helped too. You know, you give him a couple more innings at first versus trying to make him into fucking Nolan Arenado. Yeah, that was there so third. stupid. Such a, was so dumb. But yeah, Candy and Scope, fuck's sake. You can sit both of their asses down too and bring Harold and Willie up and let them play for a game and send a fucking message. They are fucking terrible. Just terrible. I'm so sick and tired. And that's the thing. Here's my last thing. I brought this up to someone I was talking to last night, and this is just something, and, and we we addressed this before the year started, and I think that, you know, Collins, you, you might have said it best as far as like, and I know that there's a point that I emphasized, that now at this point, it seems like you have enough pieces that you can just go. Like, and, and, and what I'm referring to is, past free agent acquisitions and trades that have kind of have gotten you to this point of where the roster is now. Right. And, and I think we're all comfortable moving forward with like, okay, we kind of know where the guys are that are supposed to be a part of this team. We've seen what they can do. We've seen their highs, we've seen their lows and we're somewhat confident with what we have going forward. But I'll tell you, man, when I'm, when I'm watching some of these games and, and we're going on year five or six of this team, just really not being good. I can't help, but go back and think about all those fucking trades this team has made and they haven't gotten shit for these like, really Daz Cameron. You can't even get him up here and, and, and he, he can't even compete at the major league level. Jake Rogers is hurt again. I mean, look at some of these trades, man. Jake, like, look at like, look at how good some of these pieces are that you traded away. Justin Verlander should have been held for ransom. JD Martinez is one of the best hitters in the league. And I know all he does is DH, but to, to, to get back 
Sergio Alcantara, Dawel Lugo, and some guy no one's ever heard of, and two of the three of those guys in that trade don't even play Major League Baseball anymore. It, it just this team should be so much further ahead than it is. And I'm sorry, I know I said earlier in the year that I just talked about that this team is what they is that what they are now, and they've they've put the pieces together. I will never be able to get over how fucking poor those trades were. Justin Verlander should have been held for ransom. How you don't get Kyle Tucker and Matt trade who was second team all MLB last year and plays the same fucking position that Daz Cameron does. And Daz Cameron might never play on this team full time at the MLB level. He just might not. I'm sorry. He's that bad at the plate. It's embarrassing. Al Avila should be embarrassed. What a what an absolute disgrace. The best trade he made was trading away his own fucking son in Justin Wilson for Paredes and Candelario. And I can't even tell you that Candelario should be on this team for much longer with how bad he's playing this year. I can't get one guy that just can consistently play baseball, can consistently hit 250 to 275, and doesn't make errors in the field. Of course Fuck. not. It's too easy, Rabs. It's too Those easy. Those trades were ass. That's a joke. And if this team, I'm over get it. To right. 500, over. I, but, but I'm not. Come on. They don't have shit on this team. I, that's the point. I disagree. Rabs. Someone play. That, that's what makes it more infuriating. Now that shit was infuriating Rabs three years ago when we didn't have pieces. Personally, I, the reason I'm so pissed off this Tigers team is I legit see potential. Cause you see moments like last night with Javier bias hits that home run. You're like, Finally, we have a guy who can, like, is a big-time player. Like, Javi yes. is a big-time player. Yes. I look at Torque, and I'm like, I see it. Like, I see the plate discipline. You're right, Rabs. He's having trouble catching up to the fastball. But everything else, like, he sees it well. He I, he. There's very few at-bats where he gets cheated, where it's, like, three pitches and see you later. It's this guy's like Stolp and Candelario. Candelario led Major League Baseball with doubles last year. Like, it's not, like, it is un- incomparable how slow of a start he's gone off to. Stope, and Stope did the same thing last year and, and, and turned it around. So, like, but, like, you, it, it's met differently. You really, it's met differently, it's met, especially after what you saw last year and with, with the upgrades you made. It's just super, super frustrating because, Rabs, I, I do think they have pieces now where they can at least go 500, maybe even more, and it just pisses me off. And I, I know that stuff will always piss off Tigers fans, but the fact of the matter is the J.D. Martinez thing, it's, they should have just held on to him at that point if that, like, they weren't going to get at Like, because the market was so bad and people were like, they were tanking, why would you hold on him? I don't know. You should have figured out a different way other than that. I understand that the market for hitting was so bad that year, but, I don't know. I don't want to talk about those trades. We talked about them a million times. I'm just focused now and just pissed off at the disappointment in proven players. Stope and Candelario are proven players. Well, look, it's just it's time it, it, it's time to win some games here. It's time to bear down. Obviously, I'm over. This, I'm this, legit over Hitch saying, "Oh, we're gonna hit, Bru- buddy." Like I, I, I hope you realize, like you can't just go like six and twenty in April. And then just like yeah. creep yep. your way maybe to 500 yep. and, and, and lose out of the wild card game by seven games and make people happy in the city. It's not going to happen. This team needs to be competitive for the majority of the year. Nope. Collins, you're exactly right. Because here's the thing. You have 
to keep your head above water. This is what this team did last year. They started nine and twenty-four, and then they're gonna they, get their uh, ass kicked in LA too. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, you you this twin series is gone. You have to try your best tomorrow to get one of the games, and then yeah, yeah, you're right, Collins. You go out to LA, and the Dodgers are the best team in baseball by a country mile on both sides of the ball right now. Then you get the Pirates. There, it's just you have to keep your head above water. You can't lose focus here because, as we said, we all had expectations for this team. They're already five games below five hundred. So you're now looking at a team where it's it's kind of sink or swim, and it's April, which is a shame I, because that's I where we were last there week. Yet, TB, but like, say they lose, say they get swept in LA. Now you're at that point. Sure. Like you, yes. And what's the the thing about it is too. I think the most frustrating point of it, like tonight, was an exception. There's been very few games the Tigers couldn't win this year. They have left so many wins on the table this year. Yep. Yep. Like that Yankees team, they left like nine runners on when Cole pitched. When they left like a million guys left on base. The Red Sox like rain game was a weird game where they were out of it, but it kind of felt like they shot themselves in the foot that game. Um, well, they rallied back. They only lost by two, I think. Was there was a White Sox team that got blown up. But other than that, they've been in all these games. And they, and Rab said it earlier, zero timely hitting. Zero. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked about the Tigers way too long, but whatever. Yeah, this yeah. was not they the fought, plan, They pissed me off. We need to talk right. about it. Whatever is right. We'll move on. Um, so, tomorrow, based on what I'm recording tonight, um, is the 2022 NFL Draft. We will spend the rest of this podcast talking about – the draft, um, the Lions are on the clock with pick number two and number 32 in the first round. Um, I, some some weird stuff has been rolling around this draft as of late, and I don't know how much people pay attention to the betting odds or what it even means, but as of now, it, it seems like the betting favorite is, what's his name, Tavon Walker? What's his name? Trayvon, Trayvon Walker. Trayvon Walker. Uh, defensive lineman, defensive end from Georgia is the – consensus is the wrong word, but he's now the betting favorite to go first overall to the Jags. I don't know what happened. And I, I remember talking about this last week, maybe about how I, I, you know, he, he had a really nice pro day or whatever, wherever his workouts were that scouts were looking at. He really impressed everyone there. And obviously, you know, being on a Georgia defense that was as good as they were um, gives him a lot of credibility as far as his skill set. But it's just kind of strange how now we're sitting here a day out from the draft and what seemed like a surefire number one pick in Aiden Hutchinson last week, now we're not so sure. So I think that changes things a bit from the Lions' perspective, and we can kind of talk about our thought, our thoughts on all of that. But um, Trent and myself are going to be going to the Lions' draft party tomorrow. Very excited for that. Wait, I, I forgot you guys were doing that. Yeah, we had our we had we figured out details today. But we're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to be there. Who knows? Maybe some video footage. I don't know. But we'll, we'll be there. I'm excited for that because it's just, you know, one of those things where it's like, hey, cool to say you went. But now with this added wrinkle in of I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen at two. I don't because well, I well, look, I mean, ahead. no, no. All I want to say is like. Uh, this is this seems like such a vintage Motown rundown topic where Collins is going to jump in here and bite my head off. Here's what I'm going to say. There are a few franchises in this league that I can definitively say are worse than the Detroit Lions. Jaguars are one of them. 
The Jaguars this whole time should have been thinking O-lineman, 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 O-lineman. You just picked your franchise quarterback last year. You, you don't have shit else on your roster. You got to protect this guy. He looked like terrible last year. And you're trying, and that's supposed to be your, your, your cornerstone. So I am not surprised that the odds have shifted off of Hutchinson. What I am surprised with is that they've shifted onto just a different defensive line. I don't know what they're doing. They got Doug Peterson. Well, He's an offensive kind of, coach. They kind I think of you dress their offensive line a little bit. It sounds like. So, well, they they're, they're they did, but still, I get what TB. I'm on the same wavelength as you. I don't really understand that, but I mean, I mean, a ta- uh, tackles on both sides of the ball. I mean, offensive tackles and edge rushers are what get paid the big bucks and quarterbacks, obviously. So right. To tr- I, I mean, Ravs, you may you set that up perfectly, like. And this is why, by the way, I said this to my buddies in a group chat. The NFL draft sucks now. I want that out in the open. I hate it. I hate the mock draft season. It's they awful. Completely yeah. ruined it. They need to move the draft up again. Yep. No, it's it, Collins is horrible. It's it is months. way it's, too it, long it, it, away yeah, from the Super Bowl. It's three months of just bullshit opinions and verbal it's diarrhea. Awful. Yeah, it is bad. I I I don't know how much earlier it used to be. But it, it like I feel like the last two years it has noticeably been long. Like it is noticeably there's like another two weeks of mock draft cycles, which I yeah, like. Yeah, like Mel Kiper 5.0 mock draft. It's like 700.0 at that point. It's just I I don't know how they fix it. I I personally don't like the first round format the way they do it now, but whatever. I, and I'm going to be honest, I've never been the big – this I've this has always been my weird take. I like the NBA draft more than the NFL draft. I don't know why. I just always have. Um, but, Rabs, you set it up perfectly. I don't know what's going to happen at 1, and we'll figure it out probably early in the morning tomorrow because that's when it usually happens or, like, the Jads are eyeing this or whatever. Um, but it's been weird because there's – for the whole draft process, I think with from the Lions' perspective, it's been a weird, like, oh, they just don't like Thibodeau. Hutchinson's going into the Jads. The Lions don't like Thibodeau. They might go get Walker. They might go get Hamilton. Oh, who knows? They might go get Willis. And all of a sudden, this week, it's kind of came out. It's like, oh, actually, the Lions do like Thibodeau. So I'm like, are these all smoke screens? Yeah, and, and and then you see Hutchinson. I, like I don't think it's a surprise that Hutchinson threw a the first pitch out last Saturday night. Like I I I don't I truly don't think that was a coincidence. Um, so I don't. I literally the thing about it, I'm at the point too. I really don't have a preference. Would I prefer the Lions not to? Would I prefer not to have to root for Aiden Hutchinson? Yes, as a selfish mission safe fan. Yes. I don't like that guy. Collins, I'm not even. I don't even care if I'm being honest. Trent, Trent, the moment he puts on the Honolulu blue, I don't care. Yeah, no, I, I, the moment I, I'll get over that. But like, the draft night, whatever, I don't want to deal with that. I just, I, I just, whatever. So I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? Like, Ty goes the runner, Thibodeau Hutchinson. I don't really care who they take. (laughs) And if there's a like, if I'm going to take a Michigan guy over an Oregon guy, no, thank you. Never in a hundred years. But um. Yeah, I don't know. And there's also a scenario we get Walker, who I don't – I really don't want the Lions to take. 
No, I don't either. I don't either. I think he's the sexy pick. He's had a great combine. He didn't show much for it in his actual football play. He he probably will be awesome. He is just, and I, I too much of a risk, especially for Lions, who I just don't, I can't trust ever in these situations. <laughs> Thibodeau and uh, Thibodeau and Hutchinson are both guys that are high ceiling, low floor guys. Take them. Well, so look, I think here's what I think. I think. It's been assumed for such a long time that the Jaguars were going to take Aiden Hutchinson. And now that that has shifted, I am off all of my self-defensive mechanisms of, oh, I don't really like Hutchinson anyways. No, I want Aiden Hutchinson. If he's available, I want him. I think the hometown kid thing plays a little bit you of a factor. You went to divide child. That's a huge red flag. I will say that. Okay, so I, agree. I, I, will, I will defer to your east side analysis there. All I'm going to say is I think Hutchinson – Thibodeau's film is better than Hutchinson's, but all this stuff about, you know, Dan Campbell doesn't seem to love Thibodeau, all this and that. But to Collins, point, to, Collins, to your point, all these teams have gotten so good at the smokescreen bullshit nowadays where it's like you just kind of send stuff up. It, like Kayvon Thibodeau's on the record, I think literally today, saying Dan Campbell has me on speed dial. Then he also said that him talking to Brad Holmes is like talking to your uncle at the barbecue. So it seems like the Lions are going to pick Thibodeau, but it also seems like Hutchinson might be on the board. So much to look at, but it's going to be one of those two guys. I'm at that point. I'm off the Malik Willis thing. I would love if the Lions did it because it'd be exciting. And if there's one guy who I will absolutely lose my mind with, it's Sauce Gardner. The Lions pick Sauce Gardner at two. I'm through the roof. I'm ejecting myself through the floor. No, and I don't think they will either, Rams. You'll, you would buy it, Trent. The fact that he is from Detroit, you would buy it in 10 minutes. Don't even kid yourself. <laughs> oh, sure I would. You guys know me too well. You know I would. But the, the, the one last thing I want to bring up is, you know, while I say it's either going to be Hutchinson or Thibodeau, the, other, the only other guy that, you know, has been in the mix is Kyle Hamilton. And with the signing of Deshaun Elliott, it seems like that's kind of off the table. So It fucking I, better not be for Deshaun Elliott. I'm sorry. It better not be off the table. Rebs, who do you want? Do you like Hutchinson or do you like Thibodeau? So so this is this is where I have now landed because and you guys said it really well as far as the different phases that have gone through this process for the Lions was like it was, you know, first it was gonna be a lineman. It was gonna be Neil from Alabama was gonna go number one overall. And you were gonna sit here and you're gonna have the choice of Thibodeau or you're gonna or you're gonna be able to have Hutchinson. Then it kind of became one of those things where, okay, now Hutchinson's going to be the number one overall guy. Who are you taking it to? Is it Thibodeau? Is it Kyle Hamilton? And I think that everyone was really content with Thibodeau being the guy, assuming Hutchinson's gone. Then all this comes out about how he's not motivated to play football, yada, yada, yada. Dan Campbell doesn't, doesn't think that Thibodeau would be a part of the culture. So now everyone's kind of like, okay, we're off Thibodeau, and now we're sitting at two, and – is it a Hamilton? Is it, is, is it, you know, is it sauce Gardner? Is it, is it a, a you know, and, and Walker's name kind of came up like late, but then these discussions kind of came up of like, okay, get out of two and, and, and wait for a Kyle Hamilton or wait for a sauce Gardner or whatever. And then we throw the Malik Willis shit in about, are they going to take him at two? And now we're right back to square one of where we're looking at a possibility of the Lions looking being at number two and having the option between Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau. The one constant throughout this whole draft process 
No one has said boo about Aiden Hutchinson. You don't hear anything about this kid moving up draft boards, down draft boards, nothing. It, he has always been there as the, if he's not going one, he's going two. So in my opinion, at this point, if Aiden Hutchinson is still on the board at number two, that has to be the pick. And the unfortunate thing is you're going to look at Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau, and those are the two guys that are going to get compared to each other in the li- in the eyes of Lions fans. If those are the should. two guys that are right, if those are the two guys that are on the board together. Now, I don't know about this Trayvon Walker kid. Again, I agree with Trent when it, when I don't think that the football necessarily jumped off the page at you, which is why he was never even in the discussion to be up this high until the combine or his workouts or whatever. So I think that that would be a little bit of a of a reach for the Lions, which isn't necessary at two. I just can't get a read on what the fuck the Lions think about Kayvon Thibodeau. I don't. I have no clue, but I am terrified for Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau to both be there at two because knowing the Lions, they'll make the wrong pick or whatever guy is not with the Lions will have an all-pro career and the other guy will be just fine. Okay, so I I want you to make that take one time and then I want you to crumple it up and throw it away because I – I can't, Rabs. I can't do this. <laughs> I think if the Aiden next Hutchinson five years, like I like I said, if Aiden Hutchinson is there at two and they take him, and it f- turns out that Kayvon Thibodeau is is worlds better than Hutchinson, I don't think it'll bother me that much. Now, if they take Thibodeau and Hutchinson is worlds better than Thibodeau, I will be distraught. But I I, I just think that if if this is what it comes down to where the Lions are at two and and Hutchinson is there, I think that you have to take them. That's like a don't think, just throw. And I would say that as far as being at number two, those are the two guys to me where it's like, I'm not going to blame the Lions if they take one of those two guys and maybe maybe they don't become all pro players. Those just seem like it fills a need. It's a premium position. Both of those guys are two of the top of their class at their position in this year's draft. Like, it's a pick that you had to make. Now, if they take a Sauce Gardner or they take a Malik Willis and neither of those guys are very good, then I'll be upset. If they move down and take Kyle Hamilton, I'll be happy. I'm just telling you right now to wrap up my whole little talking in circles rant, if Aiden Hutchinson is there at two, I would like them to take him. If he gets taken first overall, I can see the Lions taking Thibodeau at two. I would personally like them to move down and if Thibodeau gets taken off the board before you get to your pick, fine. Then you take a Kyle Hamilton and, and you have extra picks. You have no extra one's assets. coming up though, Rabs. I mean, that's the thing. No one's coming up. I, I that, that's the but only thing I'm because the they bottom line and we end. We well, they we should have said this. End. We should have laid the foundation for this earlier in this conversation because the bottom line is this draft is just objectively not good at the top. It's not compared to like the last ten years. It's just not like. Seriously, the last time the Lions were the number yeah, two pick it was Nadamakung Sue was the last number two is, pick. It the is an interesting draft, though, because I think that there's a lot of different ways that these teams can go, and I think a lot of the eyeballs are on the Lions. I think what the Lions do at two, whether they trade out or they, they make their pick. They're not trading out. We say it every year. I the just Lions don't think, ever do it. I, I, I don't think sets, they can. It's not that I don't think they will. I don't think anyone's trying to come up because there's maybe, not enough. And maybe analyst. that's the case. Maybe that's the case, Trent. But but I think that as much as – Maybe the Jets? Mm, yeah, yeah people are saying so the, the Giants, too. They have 10, too, don't they? 
Mm-mm. I think you're thinking the Giants. People think the yeah, Giants. Giant, my yeah. The Giants have Wait, five and ten, I think. I don't think like that. that between No Jets do. Jets do. The <laughs> the defensive end position, as Colin said, is a big money position. And it's very, very important in today's league. And the Lions don't have anyone that is like a world beater at that position. So taking a D end at two fills a need, and you're guaranteed to get one of the two. I mean, I shouldn't even say guaranteed. In theory, you're getting one of the two best defensive ends in this class. One A, one B, one, 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 and two, whatever you want to make out Thibodeau and Hutchinson. Now that you add Trayvon Walker into the mix, that's kind of like a wild card pick that could be just completely boom or bust. And I don't think that the Lions, given where they're at in their in their rebuild, they don't need to be reaching on a guy like that. Because if that thing blows up in your face, you look like the biggest idiot if you don't already in the entire league to not take a Hutchinson if he's there or a Thibodeau if he's there. And both of those guys are better than Trayvon Walker. You look like absolute fools. So I don't think Walker's I, I, a possibility. I think Walker's off the board. I'll go on the record. I, I, I mean, sure, but I don't know, guys. I look, I, I think that this this draft is interesting in the fact that a lot of different things can happen with the lions. And as much as we think we know what they're going to do, I don't think we know a damn thing. They could take a guy that we haven't even mentioned yet. They could take a lineman. They could seriously could, could take one of these linemen. They could They're not going to, they won't. They won't. They, they won't. Um, no, Brad Holmes but, will either take one of these edge rushers. And then honestly, outside of that, I w- it's going to be either Hutchinson Thibodeau and the third guy I'd throw on there is Malik Willis, just out of pure, just spite. Like it might no happen. Way. Well, and no, I, it might. I, I don't think it's like it can't. That is be not Malik a possibility. Well, that's how strong I feel about what's going to be either one of the other two. But I'm just saying, if there's a third guy, I think Kyle Hamilton's off the board now because of the Deshaun Elliott signing, the Tracy Walker re-signing. I don't. I, I think you no have bigger needs. I don't think that takes Hamilton off the board. Well, I, I, I do simply because I just think that there's more need now elsewhere. Because because there's also those you, two. You don't draft for need, TB. No, I know. But there's also those two really solid safeties that are slotted to go at the end of the first round where the Lions have two picks. So that, I, Okay. That, try, now I want to transition to this. I this this is I was going to say this. And I couldn't really get it in. I think the hotter take is I honestly think I'm more interested what the Lions do at the end of the first round. I am what, too. I am and too. And what they do with those second round picks that they have. Yep. I am too, Collins. Because I people want to talk about the Lions saying like maybe move like taking Willis at two. If the Lions really wanted to get Willis, they could get Willis and move back up. Or if they really wanted Pickett, they can move pick to get Pickett. Or if they wanted Corral or they want how they could get all these guys if they want. So that's a, I, and I don't necessarily think they're going to do it, which I'm fine with. I actually am. Like, I, I, we don't need, I don't love any of the quarterbacks. And I think Jared Goff is a definition of a stopgap. He will no law, he won't be this franchise quarterback past next year. I think everyone very, believes that. Everyone believes that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. there is no scenario where I see him in two years in a Lions uniform. Um, so whatever I'm interested, like, do they go wide receiver? I like we've said this a million times. I can't see Will Harris again on this team. I just can't do it. Yeah. Do they go safety? Do they go another cornerback? Like, do they try and move up? Do they try and move down and get more draft capital? Like, they have a lot of options at the end of that first round. And I'm very curious. Curious. And they could draft a quarterback because Sam Howell, like Matt Corral, are gonna be in that mix. Where they have those three picks, and yeah, I can, they'll be on the board. 
Yeah, and, and if you, by the way, I would take a flyer Mackerel. I weirdly have ma- a lot of Mackerel stock. I don't hate it. I don't hate Me it. Neither. I just look, look. My thing is like, I just my name at thirty two is Traylon Burks if he's available, wide receiver out of Arkansas. He's got size. He's a slot receiver. I think you put him in with Chark, with Amon Ross, St. Brown, with Josh Reynolds who you brought back, Cephas who people seem to forget about, Quint Cephas. I don't know, man. I just they need Collins, a wide receiver. Collins, you bring up a wide receiver in this draft, obviously. Collins, you bring up a great point that the, what the Lions do at 32 and 34 might be more intriguing than what they do at two because at two it just seems obvious it's going to be one of the edge rushers. It's 37 too, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So, so I just think the Lions are gonna. Here's what I think. I think it's got to be one receiver, and the rest has to be defense. You take all defense because on offense. Let's just call it how it is, dude. You hit a home run on your right tackle last year. You've got two fantastic backs and Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. You know, you've got a serviceable quarterback and Jared Goff. You've got a top five tight end and TJ Hawkinson. You know, I, I just think the need right now is all defense. You need one receiver. And other than that, it's like, I, I don't know, unless you want to take a fly on your quarterback, like you said about Corral Collins, it's just like, it's got to be. Well, I think you get Corral almost like at the, in the beginning of the third round. That's what I. I, I yeah, think I think Howell right. will be there too. So if you want to take a flyer, I, I, if they want to take a flyer on a quarterback in the third round, I wouldn't hate it. Um, but but, I mean, Rabs, I don't know. Like, would you possibly like want to move? Like, if you move out of two, I still want to get a top five pit. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah, and that's like they, they are still far enough away where you still need premier talent. And I, I'm fine. I like they are not in a position where it's like, let's just get more draft. Like, I'm fine with getting a, a ton of draft capital, but I, you still need some premier players. Collins, I just don't, I, I'm just not before Rabs goes, I'm just not sure if this draft class is super premier talent. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. No, I'm, that's fine. But I feel like I, I've heard that in so many things. Like, I think that in the NBA draft, they said that two years ago, the Mellow Ball draft, and that's like been a fantastic NBA draft. Like, sure, so you never know. You never know. I yeah, just, and we've, we've said this before, but I don't think any of these edge rushers, like, we're not talking about a Nick or a Joey Bosa or a Miles. We're not. I don't, like, I, I don't think that any of these guys, I really don't think their ceilings even go. Like, I, I think the best of Aiden Hutchinson are. Kayvon Thibodeau, I don't think that they're, they, they're like these, you know, T.J. Watt, J.J. Watt-esque guys. I, I just don't. But I don't know. I, I think that I, I I really do agree with you guys from the sense of I think that 32 is where you have more eyeballs. And for the sake of Trent and I being in Ford Field for that first round of the draft, I would I would hate for them to trade out of 32 and move back into the second round somewhere and we have to go home. They and might do that. Though. Not see the second pick. I they could do whatever there and I'd be fine with it. If they took a linebacker, I don't there's no way Nicobe Dean drops that low. But if, if they took a guy like like him and it's a, a linebacker position, if they took this Daxton Hill, right? His name's Daxton, right? From Michigan or Dax. Is he projected in the first round? Yeah, he I is, think there's yeah. a lot of mock drafts that the Lions take him. Late I'd be first, fine with yeah. that pick. I think he's pretty talented. I know I think I like Dax Hill. A little bit, he's a little bit undersized, but um I, what if I we if we him, drafted two Michigan guys in the first round? That'd be that'd hilarious. Be crushing. That'd be crushing. No, I, I, by the way, I like that still. I would like him as a lion. I would root for him immediately. The one yeah. thing with Aiden Hutchinson, if Aiden Hutchinson didn't go to New York for the Heisman, 
I would probably be on the Aiden Hutchinson bandwagon. Yeah, no, that's the other thing, Collins. I was thinking about that today. It, to, and to the fact he went to Define Child and to the fact that he said in a pre-interview that he wasn't a Lions fan growing up in Michigan. He was a Patriots fan. And those are the worst kind of people in the entire world. People yep. from the state of Michigan they who were Michigan fans that liked Brady and then they became Patriots fans. Bizarro losers. Yep, I know I know a couple of them. I know a They're couple the worst. of them. They're the worst. They're the worst. Yes, they are. Um, I think wide receiver too, depending on what happens. I think a lot of wide receivers are gonna fly at the back half of that first round. Uh, and I it's just gonna come I down wish to who's, got Drake London. It makes me sad. It's gonna come down to who's who's around there. And who who knows, Collins? They could trade right right up into that first round with another pick from the second. They could take what do they have? 37 and 32. They, 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 could, they have the cap up in there, up, but I, is it, I mean, London's going like in the top 10. I haven't looked at the mock drafts are fucking all over the place. Right I don't, now. Dude, you know what? The mock drafts can all kiss my ass. Nobody knows shit. And, and well, this year, like, I, like most of the time Rabs, they're pretty accurate. This year is honestly, I think one of the more wild, like in all the mock experts are saying that, that like, there's going to be guys that people have like in their third round boards that go in the top 15. Like no one has a feel for this draft, which will make for Thursday and Friday being very fun. But like, that's also why this draft stinks at the top. No, but I like that. That, I mean, it it makes more entertainment. I don't know. I get what you're saying. It's more entertaining. Is it good for our team? That's picking. No, it's not. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I, I don't know. Look, Lions have to draft defense. They need at least one receiver because Collins is right. There's like 10 or 12 good receivers in this draft. And I don't know if they do it too. Just can't be Sauce Gardner. That's where I'm at. Anything else, I'm happy. I'm fine. Not, where's he going to go? If he doesn't go to Lions, he's going to go like 10. So I don't like, I, I hate, like, that's what I have with Otuda too. Where it's like, if Otuda doesn't go at two, he's going at like eight. <laughs> but the Lions took him. <laughs> like, yeah, that was guy. another that was another situation where I was like, oh, the Lions can't really move out of three, but they've got their guy and Jeff yeah, Okuda. Three, it's, but, me. Yeah, it, it was just that was awful. Anyways, who knows? Maybe he's good this year, Okuda. No, I, I'm patient with Okuda. He deserves everyone's patience. He deserves everyone's respect. Who knows? Yeah, he's only played like 11 games. He'll be fine. Free Hefe. Yep. All right. Well, well I'm I'm all I'm just look. I'm just excited for this draft to be over. I I it's the 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 lead up really is exhausting. So, if you can you guys promise me if you don't let the pick, you'll boo. Um, <laughs> I never boo the Detroit Lions. No matter I can't what. never because, boo the pick. Look, be, look, because because I'm there as a guest of Trent, and he's a season ticket holder, and it's there's gonna be. Yeah, it's a you know it's gonna be a high class event. I don't know what do I wear, by the way, but I don't. I Trent, I, I'll give you this, Collins. If the pick is absolutely asinine, if it's not, if it's not Thibodeau, if it's not Hutchinson, and it's like a Sauce Gardner or some shit like that, I'll leave. I'll leave. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I'll walk out. Rabs, please, like, uh, you guys should both like not like in a suit, but just like. Like really, just like dapper looking real. What if we, dude? If we try, and then, if we and then had, Detroit Don and Super Fan are in their their Sunday blues. If <laughs> we had like George able to come film this, I think we should rent tuxedos. I think it'd be hilarious. Well, it, nah. it would be. It would be. I, I think it's better in Trent's 
Trent Valley Detroit Lions jersey. I don't know what to wear. I have like no Lions gear besides my Stafford jersey from China. Collins nailed it for me. I'm wearing the T Bell. I'm wearing the T Bell 91. Should I wear my Should I wear my Joey Harrington jersey, or is that just (laughs) terrible? No, no. Wear your Stanton your Stanton game worn. That thing is so tight on me, Trent. (laughs) I I can't. Those things are like a glove. No, but you look great. That's an on-field jersey. Like that's the kind of shit where, like, it's a sick jersey. (laughs) If you wear that, Detroit Don and the Crack Man will give you like fist bumps for wearing that. I gotta tell you, I don't need to talk to any of those people tomorrow. I, there's no, no picture yeah, taking no. with those guys. That's, Just stay the, away. that's the best part of it. I By the way, no I will say this. My, I, I don't think we talked about it enough that Miles has a game-worn personalized jersey. <laughs> it's not a game worn. It's just the oh, no. It's like jersey. the way he made it, it is an authentic, like authentic yeah, like you could, like someone could wear it on the field. Yes. Yes. No. It's I didn't not... even know they did that. Yeah, he bought it for like $300. Not to throw figures out there, but yes, Miles bought a an on-field Detroit Lions jersey when they're probably going to change their uniforms like next year. They know I know they are. So bad. Oh, man. These uniforms are tough, but uh, yeah. Their jerseys are fun. I like their jerseys. Dude, probably. they just need to do the fucking Barry Sanders. I don't know yeah, why. It's no, so we're on the same, no, we're on Rap, same page. I'm just saying these are better than the last one. Last two they've had yeah but no i disagree with that i i think the white whoa, whoa, whoa. No. like the black dude no listen the home blues need to involve the color white they need to have what the fact that they have two shades of gray as the yeah, number, i like it dude it no it's awful it's terrible like, like if you look <laughs> at the color rush are embarrassing too well yeah that, those that's... stink those stink their home and away are good i don't know what you guys are talking about i don't i don't disagree. that home is good too listen. Hear me the out. Home is said, better than it's ever been. I've said this a million times. The the home blues are totally fine, except that the shade of light gray that is the inside of the numbers and it just needs to be white. That's all you got to do because then it looks like the Barry set. You you got your own font, but it's still the Barry. No, Sanders dude, look. and there you know the Lions. They are gonna go so off the board with these next jerseys too. They're gonna there's gonna be no respect. They no, need it's to gonna, just do they're gonna the bring Barry back the black, jersey. and I'm gonna be fucking so mad. The black is fine. No, it, it, it is. But they should just lean into the silver and Honolulu blue. I wish they would exactly. just say like, that's it. It's just so much. I don't understand. I'm just saying, everyone. Oh, by the way, I have a black Kevin Jones jersey. Shout out to my buddy Dom for getting me that. <laughs> but yep. it, it's a hilarious jersey. I love wearing it. It's one of my favorite things I own. Those jerseys kind of stunk. They kind of did. I'm sorry. Well, they did stink. They, they, there's no kind of about it. They stunk. I I know. I just it. When people are like bring back the blacks, they're sick. And I'm like, were they? Well, dude, that's how I feel. <laughs> like, like yeah. sometimes it's like guys. I like. It's like me I, and I. I'm not even gonna say this because I think I might. Get, I don't know if we definitely talked about this, but no, the Pistons are bringing back the teal next year. And I'm all for the logo being like one of the best logos, like ever. Like the horse, like it's one of the sickest logos ever. Yeah, but the teal, the teal sucks. stinks. Yeah, the, the teal, teal stinks. Awful. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's no, awful. I, nope, I agree with you, Collins. I agree. I will say this: the Lions' home unis right now, the 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 away, excuse me, the white unis are great, especially when they wear them with the blue pants. They have that figured out. The home they got those do look good. I like the white with gray too. I when they wore all white against the Packers. That was fire too. Yeah, was they were clean. dangerous. Yep, that was clean. By the way, I are you guys 
watching this NBA game right now? No. Nope. Very high level. Also, I think Gary Payton was just <laughs> NBA games are what if you don't watch NBA games with volume on, you have no idea what's going on. Like Draymond Green should be like grabbing someone. I'm like, is he gonna get ejected? It's like nope, he's still in the game. Like, what's going on? <laughs> well, yeah, Collins, it looks like this is very low scoring. I'll turn it on when we wrap up here. Well, it's very right. it's a very Warriors esque game. Jordan Poole has been awful. Shout out Michigan. Great. Go green. He Good by the way. way, Jordan Poole is randomly becoming like a top 30 player in the league. Yeah. Is very funny. One of the weirder teams of all time is that Michigan team that lost to Tasha three times. They had like they had like they had like three guys, I think four guys that made all for like first team all big ten on that roster. Yeah. And they just couldn't they couldn't they couldn't beat Cassius. Couldn't do it. Whatever. That was just a weird team. I don't know. They just because John Tessie was a five. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Rabs, you want to bring us out? Do we have a trifecta? No, I didn't like, plan. No. This, this was listen in, in full yeah, this transparency. Yeah, this was like a half hour episode, wasn't yeah. it? I was gonna say in transparency to our listeners, this was supposed to be about a twenty to thirty minute episode, and it ended up being a full length feature. So yeah, I do not have shit. a trifecta. Next week we'll be right after it. Trent, we could do a pod a podcast from the car recapping day one of the NFL draft tomorrow. I someone I need a video. I need raps. You need to get Cameron Trent for his reaction. No, we I I will. That is the one thing that I will make sure that I do is setting up. I will set up a camera to record the reaction to the pick. I'm that's that is one thing I'm so because usually when I like when the draft is on, I'm just sitting in my in my living room watching the pick come across. And then immediately just texting everyone about it. Now I'll at least be in a space where I'm going to have Trent there, and we'll be able to Trent and I will be able to talk about the pick for like the the next two hours while we're waiting for the Lions to get to number thirty two. <laughs> so it'll, it'll be fun, but we we could do. Wait, what's the setup for this then? You guys get free food, or is it like we, what, we what's do? Going we on? get we get free food. We have to pay for drinks. I think I think we even get free soft drinks. We just have to pay for like booze. Uh, That's a good deal. I'll be on the Miller Lights. Yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be indulging. In Wait, how I, how, how much? If you don't mind, how much for the tickets? Did you? They're free. They're free. They're they're just offered to season ticket holders. Like you, every season ticket holder gets two, and you just get to do whatever you want with them. So, know what, dude? Know what? You guys just sounds like it's gonna be a great time. Look at we have just, fun. Yet. We just have to Trent. We have to read the room as far as like if they have games where you can like throw the football in like in like a hole. We gotta read the room on that. Cause that's something that I Is would it like love on to the play. field. Yeah, yeah, it's on the field. That's something I would love to play you if might no not one was around, off but I can't field. be I can't be that guy. What'd you say, Trent, Colin? Trent, Trent might be on the feet. He's like, we're not leaving, Rabs. <laughs> Hey, everything I've read is there's a hard shutdown at 10. Hard shutdown. They is, shut is, the lights they, off. You got to get out. So Are they even going to be at 32 come 10 o'clock? There's no way. Well, yeah, they might what? not be. That's the no, thing. Not, I don't know. I don't know. It's like midnight at that point. What the fuck? <laughs> well, dude, well, well, why can't this organization do anything where they have two picks in the first round? <laughs> okay. We'll figure it out. I don't know. I feel like we will be there. It's two hours later, two and a half. Imagine, imagine video of me surfacing on the internet of like kicking field goals uh, as the draft party's going on. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope like World of Isaac is there. Probably will be. 
or like Johnny Kane or some shit. By the way, Fuck Collins, Johnny I Kane. saw Johnny Kane at Comerica on, on Saturday. I saw were... Johnny Kane walked in the middle of the bleachers and everyone just starts screaming, Johnny, Johnny Kane. It's just, he, he is such a, he's so positive. Yeah, he loves people. I've kind of turned a corner on Johnny Kane. I kind of like him now. Collins, have you, this is my last question. Have either one of you had the Tiger Fuel daiquiri at Comerica? Yeah, it's fantastic. Oh my God, it's fire. I, I, by the I, way, they, they got rid of the, the cool daiquiri cups, though. They have beer bats now. Oh, I had a beer bat at the game, Rabs. How many beers is in that? It's like two and a half. It's actually, it's a better deal than, and you get a beer. It's a tough, tough hold on to. You got to hold on to it the whole time. Yeah, because you set it down, it's probably right on the ground, right? Especially when you first get it. Like, you got to kind of get into it. Yeah. Or, and and if you, like, buy two. Place. Say your buddy said, hey, can you get me two? So I got like, I got one for my dad, and then I was like, fuck, I need a hot dog too. So I'm yeah. like, I'm like struggling to get the beer bats back to the stands. Tough. Dude, how bad are those lines at Comerica, by the way? Well, it was bad. It was so bad that game. Yeah. All right. All right. I guess we'll wrap it up. Uh, that's all <laughs> for today's episode. <laughs> Of the Motown Rundown for Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins, I am Ryan Rabinowitz. So, many questions, comments, or suggest topics for the show on Twitter at Motown underscore Rundown or on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Do not miss a single episode of the show. We are on Apple Podcasts and we are on Spotify. New episodes pretty much every single week, depending on when we get them out. Uh, thank you all for listening. We love you guys very much. Oh, how about this? Maybe we go live on Periscope tomorrow, Trent, on the Twitter page. Maybe. Yeah, wait, I mean, I'm, I'm down then. for it. I'm down for it. But I'm we're, we will miss Collins, of course. Tune in. But thank you guys for listening. We love you very much. We'll see you next time.